Supper 2021, a series of conversations with culinary leaders, drink specialists and hospitality professionals in the world of F&B. Hello and welcome to the seventh Supper podcast of 2021. I am Hilary Rand, consulting editor of Supper magazine. Today, I am delighted to welcome Sam Bompas, co-founder of Bompas and Parr, as my guest. Bombas and Parr rose to prominence with its jelly creations that take architectural forms, such as Grimshaw's The Eden Project and Lord Foster's Wobbly Millennium Bridge. The experiential firm is behind the world's first multi-sensory fireworks display, commissioned for New Year's Eve 2013 in London, and the world's first cultural institution solely dedicated to food and drink, the British Museum of Food, which opened in 2015. Through the future of food, Epochal Banquet at Expo 2020 Dubai, Sam and co-founder Harry Parr and their team hope to inspire diners to think positively about the reality of technology-infused dishes. Each course will take the guests deeper into the future through first-of-its-kind dishes, as well as immersive experiences that stir each of the senses. Lovely to have you with us, Sam. Very, very pleased to be on your show as well. So excited! Excellent. About this. Well, just to get us started, Sam, how did what was the beginning story of Bompas and Parr? I, I I know that we can we can spend time on this, but just that we can conceptualize of of the the, the starting point actually. So Harry and I, my business partner, and I've known each other for a very very long time. We're actually at school together. Um, we had a shared interest and enthusiasm for food. And uh, 14 and a half years ago, we sat down and um, decided we wanted to have a food business together. In that case, it was making wobbly English jellies. Um, but within about a month, we moved into full catering, then full live events, then whatever the studio is now. But we don't really mind what it is as long as people have a delicious time. Excellent. And um, as architects of taste, which is something I really love as a phrase, um, you create one-of-a-kind experiences. Uh, so tell me about a few that you were especially proud of looking back. Uh, well, I think, I think we're always trying to be ever more ambitious with uh, the projects that we're realizing. And, and I guess all, a lot of that culminates in, in, in Expo 2020. But some favorite projects have included creating... Um, uh, flavor fireworks so a fireworks show for um, New Year's Eve for London with a live audience of a quarter of a million people you see fireworks exploding in the night sky and you can taste them and they're fruity uh, things like alcoholic architecture where we created a breathable cloud of gin and tonic that you stepped inside and if you and I were just a meter apart we wouldn't be able to see each other because there'd be so much uh, booze in the air between us and, and that intoxicates you just through breathing um, but also there are all sorts of ambitious culinary feats, things like creating a 200-course meal, um, which is very intense for the di diners. Um, if you can imagine having a new course every 7 minutes and 14 seconds uh, for 24 hours' time. Uh, funnily enough, one of, the, one of the people that ate it said it was the very best day of his life, but it was also the very worst day of his life as well, um, and certainly wouldn't be coming back to the table for a little bit of time. 
Uh, amazing. So you really kind of get the extremes of of people's reactions, which I, I guess is is one of the one of the things of 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 experimenting and and creating these emotions, right? So, um, like I said in my intro, that um, technology plays quite a big part in what you're doing now, and and you're looking at future technologies and seeing how that comes together in the world of food. So tell me what excites you right now, because we're going through a transition, I would say. In, in the current space? Well, I mean, there's always, there's always something new, isn't it? That's the wonderful thing about uh, looking to the future. There's always a, a, a delightful event horizon. Actually, at Bombs Park, we do an annual Food of the Future report. Um, so each year for the last four years, we've turned our gaze into the sort of mysterious crystal ball of, of, of what we'll be eating in years to come. Um, and, and so that, that excitement is ever-evolving. In the last report, I was looking at things like nihilist baking, which um, really, <laughs> I think, was symptomatic of what we were collectively going through. And in, in you know, we've seen that play out um, you know, with sort of cottage core and some of the more extreme cake uh, visions being delivered around the world. Um, one of the things, you know, it's easy enough to mark your own homework, but we've been going through an exercise of, of looking back at some of the future predictions um, and and evaluating how successful they've been, be it through hyperpersonalization down to your down, related to your genetic material, be it through um, you know where next in terms of regional cuisines that are uh, 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 or sub sub regional cuisines that are blowing up and, and and being explored and exported what around the world. Um, and actually, like you know, someone's done quite well. It's all available on the website and uh, in. Not very long. We'll be setting our, 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 our shoulder to the wheel of the next View of the Future report. Excellent. And tell me, how much do you look inside the industry? Do you follow certain chefs? Like you, you mentioned food cultures and sub-food cultures. And how much do you look outside of the food industry uh, when you put these sort of reports uh, together? And it's a very good question. I, I think if you're really looking to the future, um, well, Abraham Lincoln said the best way to predict the future is to actually make it. Um, so that's, that's, that's an ethos we wholeheartedly subscribe to. But if you look at most, our Food of the Future report really started off as um, a reaction to many of the f- futures reports that you see published, um, and uh, which are really good. I read a lot of them so um future lab wgsn is absolutely brilliant um the challenge is quite often they're not necessarily reporting on the future but they're reporting on things that have already happened and then extrapolating them into trends so those are the they'll be reporting on early adopters now the <laughs> the onus for us at bombs and par is to do things before they've happened and so when you do things before they've happened there can't be anyone else in the world that's that's doing it. So we read all those reports just to make sure we're not doing something that already exists. And then we think about, well, we trust our gut because we've reliably done things and realized projects before they've happened in, in, in a, a, a mass audience. And then it's writing them down. And then it's, for us, really an exciting race against time to see if we can make it happen before someone else takes and runs runs with those, those ideas. Of course, something like um, the... the uh, experience we're creating in Dubai is very, very different from that um, because all the predictions have been made manifest through, um, well, you're going to eat your way through the future of history. It's, it's. Um, I guess one way to think about it is is um, the idea that the future is already here. It's just unevenly distributed around the world. Those are, that's a, 
a take that William Gibson, the, the writer of the Neuromancer, um, said. Um, and what we've been trying to do is gather those sort of elements of futurity and, and bring them all together in a single room uh, at Expo itself so that you can taste it. Excellent. Well, we'll we'll talk more about the expo in, in just a bit because I do want to focus um, a lot on that because it's very active as we are speaking. Uh, but but first, I still want to go back to you've mentioned food cultures and obviously there's there's so much interesting things ha- happening around the world and food. I think over the course of the last ten years has taken on a completely different um, dimension. Uh, people are curious about it. People travel because of it. Um, what what are some of the cultures that that uh, you know, excite you or, or you think that are perhaps underappreciated or, or what that you would like to explore more of? I mean, I think, I think, um, you know, I'm coming at this from, from being based in Britain, which, um, over a decade ago had, had a absolutely terrible global, global reputation for food. And I think one of the things that that's pretty interesting is we started out our practice bombs and par in, in, um, 2007, um, that was just a year before the release of the first iPhone and with it, the uh, growing enhanced ability for people to share their food and also to perform food through social media and, and basically to make their consumption of food part of their public um, uh, performance of identity. Um, and, and I think that's really been the, the, the very powerful driving force behind the um, you know, rapid acceleration of, of, of exchange of ideas, both um, across professional spheres of food and drink, but also um, you know, from anyone who's got a kitchen. And, and one of the good things, if you want to go work in fashion, you have to invest in, in a whole line. If you want to work in food and do something interesting with food, you just have to go to your kitchen, use the implements you've already got. And you can, you can with those relatively simple implements, you can be very quickly cooking things that you might have seen on menus in, in the world's best restaurants. Um, now, before you used to have to wait before those um, you know, monographs came out of a very few uh, widely recognized and celebrated chefs. Now you yourself can go and create something, a, a, a hit dish um, in mere minutes with your ingenuity alone um, and then share it. And, and, and it means that you can now take a global tour through the best kitchens um, and also most imaginative minds on, on the planet um, from the comfort of your, your chair. Um, of course, you miss a lot of the delight of food if you do that because you're not tasting it. And and the best things about food come through uh, the savour, but also the conviviality that they enjoy. And one of the things I'm not missing, uh, despite having cooked a 200 course tasting menu, is sitting through absolutely tedious, uh, interminable tasting menus. Particularly if you're not sitting there, some very interesting. It's just what a chore. Um, it, the casualization of dining combined with the improvement in standards of foods um certainly for where i'm sitting in in, in london <laughs> you know, it has been you know just an enormous boon and and you're seeing you're seeing some of those trends reflected uh, uh, around the world and now i want to kind of turn our focus to dubai um you know expo 2020 although we are in 2021 uh big mammoth undertaking so tell me first of all how that collaboration uh came about at at the beginning so i'm obsessed with the history of great exhibitions and expos um they're often sites again of innovation. So if you're into if you're into times at which humanity comes together for a mighty spectacle, mighty celebration, and also um, driving innovation, 
then you have to be into expos and great exhibitions. Um, I guess my all-time hero is a chap called Alexi Sawyer. He used to be a um, sort of swashbuckling Victorian chef. It's originally French, but moved to moved to uh, Great Britain. Um, and you know, he's really, really influential. Like, you know, if, if you're a chef today, you need to you need to be taking your hat off to Alexi Sawyer. Um, he invented gas cookery and and popularized it. Now, prior to his invention of gas cookery, the life expectancy of a chef would be around 40 years old um, because of the noxious uh, gases coming off coal. And 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 you know, just to, just testament to how very inventive Alexi Soye was, um, the stove that he created to feed the British Army in the Crimean War was still being used by the British Army in the Falklands War. So, so for over a hundred years, he's he's um, creating it. But when it came to the Great Exhibition, um, you know, in in eighteen fifty one, you know, seen by many people as as this sort of like real high point of 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 um, uh, British power. Um, the he he was he was he he created his own Great Exhibition of food. <laughs> which also at Gore House, which also involved London's first American bar with lots of mixed cocktails and lots of whimsical ideas. So at a time before refrigeration, he made this sort of ice cave that you could go in for chilled drinks with stalactites and stalactites of ice and stuffed snow foxes in ludicrous poses. Um, there was even a waterfall you could pop through into, into a grotto that, that had a cocktail organ. Uh, you can't see this because we're, 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 it's a radio show, but... I'm actually sat in front of a giant whiskey organ that we built for for our friends um, in the whiskey industry, and and that that that's directly inspired by um, Alexi Soye. Oh, sorry, are these so, the buttons that I'm seeing on the on the screen? Yeah, so so there you go. There's a there's a six meter tall oh, um, wow. organ that changes your perception of <laughs> to, taste as you're to everyone who's your who's listening. It really is an organ, so uh, I can I can only relay that I, I am seeing it. <laughs> but so. One of the things that, that we're looking at with, with Soy is, is his approach to um, innovation, education, entertainment all coming together at the expo site. We really wanted to sort of encapsulate that, not least because many foods that shape the way that we eat today have been um, first preluded or launched at expos. So everything from hot dogs and a hot dog bun to ice creams and the iconic ice cream cone to make it easily take away. Um, to even ketchup. So lots of things that we're very, very familiar with. And, and our challenge to ourselves is, well, how can we do something that creates space for future legacies and, and, and um, as well as encapsulating some of the themes that, that uh, Expo 2020 Dubai has been focusing on? So that's our starting point. <laughs> then we needed to create, because we're looking at the food of the future. How do you actually create the future? And although we've talked about how we at Bombson Pass spend a lot of our time thinking about the future of food. We wanted to explore a future that wasn't purely speculative, but was based on um, the imagination of some of the greatest minds today. So that's when we look to um, James Lovelock's Novacine. Um, should, should I tell you about James Lovelock? He's a, he's go, a fascinating Please go for it. Cat. So... <clears throat> Wants to work. James Lovelock is a preeminent uh, scientist working today. He's thought very deeply across uh, a very wide and works across a very wide range of fields. So he's the, if you've heard of Gaia theory about um, 
the planet having these feedback mechanisms that self-regulate and sometimes they're coming off kilter. Um, that was a theory that that was created by James Lovelock in in um, you know the seventies and uh, or, or maybe even earlier actually. Um, he's worked and created instruments for managing the heavens, far reaches of space for NASA. He's also invented when he was looking at cryonics, so um, freezing a living organism, invented the microwave, and he invented it to create a more humane way to reanimate um, mice, which at the time. Um, when they're frozen and they're being reanimated to look at the impact of cryonics and freezing, were brought back to, to sensibility by having a very hot spoon pressed against their chest. And um, so because um, James Lovelock thought that he thought that, that um, mice perhaps had a greater emotional depth and intelligence than they're being given credit for, he thought they might also be able to, to, to sense pain as well. Um, so invented this device that is now in many people's kitchens around the world um, with a view to, to um, looking after the mice. So this is, this is a scientist who's thought very, very broadly. And his most recent book about the Novocene looked at the dawning, the coming newer age of hyperintelligence. It's, it's, it's what happens really when uh, AIs um, uh, start gaining uh, supremacy in whatever form they take. It's not necessarily a, a silica, well, it's not necessarily computer-based. It could be some sort of hybrid organism over the world. <clears throat> and the good thing about uh, Lovelock's thinking about the future is um, quite often when we look to the future, you get very dystopian visions or um, visions which aren't very curious or don't really think about the implications of what we're doing collectively as humanity. The wonderful thing about Lovelock is he's pretty optimistic about the future, although he does say that the future will be um, a future that's dominated by um, AIs and hyper-intelligent beings. But he also says that you know humanity has a place there as well, um, because the relative speed between humanity and the uh, hyper-intelligent beings um, is about the same as you and um, your house plants or, or the plants in your garden or, or out in a forest. Um, so you tend to move and respond to stimuli about 10,000 times quicker than that plant is able to. And the hyper-intelligent beings will be able to um, respond to stimuli and process information about 10,000 times quicker than purely biological entities like, like, like humans. Now, he says, that's great because you love your houseplants, you love nature, um, and you do try your best probably to look after them and give them a good environment. And he, he, he imagines a future in which um, humanity will have a similar fate. Um, so we've used that to create this optimistic, um, uplifting uh, vision of the future that you get to eat your way through. There's a nod to the work of Alexis Soyer. So for the show, you step inside the opening night of a, new, of a museum of food set 300 years in the future created by hyper-intelligent beings for the entertainment and edification of humanity. Um, you know, this, this, and, and also in collaboration with, with uh, humans themselves, there's a tension between the two. This also goes to the fact that I believe that um, you know, humans need a little bit of friction in their life. I think in the, in the future, it won't just all be lying around sunning yourselves um, under, under palm trees. I think, think you'll be interested in learning, in, in education. Um, in visiting cultural institutions like museums, I think they'll have a place. 
And so you step inside this Universal Museum of Food, which is named the Universal Museum of Food as a nod to Alexei Soy, who had the Universal Symposium of All Nations, the Great Ex Exhibition in 1851. Um, and there, you're there for the opening night and you eat your way through 300 years of dining from uh, what we're calling the present, so from Expo and some of the technologies that were first showcased there, right the way into Lovelock's hypothesized novocene. 300 years hence from now. Amazing. I, it, it's so captivating that I, I kind of want to buy a ticket and come come right away to experience this. And and, and tell me, Sam, um, what how did you choose the title for this um, for this experience that you're that you're doing at Expo? So I mean we tried to make the title so that it really encapsulates what you're going to experience. So the first bit, the future of food. It's a big promise and it's substantiated by the fact that we've actually worked with many preeminent scientists from Cambridge University, Oxford University. We've spoken to the people who are working on um, uh, the UAE uh, Space Agency on what astronauts of the future are going to be eating on their way to Mars um, and taking inspiration for that for what you're going to eat over the course of the meal. Um, and then we call it the Apocal banquet because you're coming you're coming for a celebratory event it's 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 something that there's going to be provocations there there's as well as a regular menu there's a conversation menu um and and i guess guess the way that we've we've, we've we're trying to measure it out we're, we're combining so many different disciplines from everything from um you know, the regular culinary world to uh theater graphic design science technology the arts um, all coming together to make a total work of art with you at the very epicenter. So we, when we, when we started, Sam, just at the beginning, you mentioned it's, it's, it's like a theatre performance. It has, it, it's, you know, right now you're doing friends and family, um, and then you have the grand opening. Um, you've already had people, I guess, uh, have experienced some of it. Um, have you had any feedback yet you can tell us of? Uh, well, I, 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 the thing that I'm most interested in is people having the same sense of awe and wonder that we all collectively have when looking up into the night sky um, and generally that's what all the components are, are, are provoking um, now we're working on getting them all working in concert to just create a sort of total overwhelming sense the sort of thing that it's it's you know like a really good movie um, that's a timeless classic. You can watch it again and again and again, and, and you see different resonances, different impacts, different cadences and rhythms through it. And, and you know, this as as a meal has that much complexity. And um, I don't want to because we're looking up to the future and we're thinking about the future. I don't want to focus too much on um, you know what's happened in in the in the last let's say eighteen months of the past. But the only question I want to ask you about it is. The expo being delayed, did that actually work in your advantage in the sense that you could, you know, tweak the experience, uh, go through it again, add certain elements? Did you change it at all throughout um, this this delay? Now, uh, when expo was first delayed, we thought, brilliant, we're going to have way more time to work on this. In actual fact, uh, we ended up because we, at that point, our presentation running through all the different elements of the, the project was already 400 pages long. It's very, very rich. Um, we put the project to bed um, for when we had like real clarity of what was going to happen on Expo. When we dusted it all down and started working on it, we actually then had less time to put it together 
than we originally had. So it's been an exciting race against time to get the show up. But um, yeah, I think I think it's remarkably strong as a result. We also did spend some of that time making very, very good connections with some preeminent scientists. So even working with um, the uh, team professor, uh, Duncan Cameron, um, at the University of Sheffield, actually simulating an environment 200 years in the future to grow microherbs that will then serve up at Expo. Um, so, so far as I know, it's the only time this has been done. Um, so you, you're literally, um, will be eating a dish that is grown in the simulated and projected atmosphere of 200 years in the future. It's good, quite, it should be pretty wild. Wow, that sounds incredible, Sam. And and with all the future talk and so much, uh, you know, focus on what's coming next, do you get to enjoy the present? Uh, constantly. I mean... You see the environment I'm working in. I've got I've got this vast organ. There's I'm sat next to a poster which is the total history of transglobal history of sausages through the ages. And um, I see a skull behind you. There is well, you'd think it's a skull. It's actually a um it's actually a drinking chalice. So that's a very ah. t- that's a very taboo and forbidden um mm. object in whatever culture. It's 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 really a museum object. Um and we're just very interested in the evolution of glassware and the evolution of tableware and, and how they can be used as vectors for story and storytelling. So when you come to Expo, there's a whole, there's a whole cabinet of spoons and looking at the impact that spoons can have on, on um, whatever you're eating. And that's, and uh, then there's also a load of bodybuilders with food as well, which is quite interesting. So and we call them the four horsemen of the esophagus. Um, and they were, they formed the back bar for a, a, a drive through burger bar that we've created for um, Mercedes-Benz. There's also just lying casually in the corner a ramjet. Um, that, <laughs> so there's a ramjet in the corner of the meeting room that was used to, to um, uh, create immediate sense wherever you need them. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, Sam, it's been such a pleasure uh, talking to you today, and I wish you and your team uh, best of luck with uh, with bringing this all uh, to the crowds and and to the people at at Expo this year. And um, I'm, I'm sure we're going to read some uh, incredible reviews of, of your work and and what people experienced. So, best of luck, and and really look forward to uh, see seeing and hearing from from the visitors. Marvellous. Thank you so, so much and a real joy to speak to you. Supper 2021, a series of conversations with culinary leaders, drink specialists and hospitality professionals in the world of F&B.